Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people who know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the following message. Good morning, church. It's a blessing to get to see you this morning, to hear uh, this absolutely gorgeous music that the choir and orchestra have shared. Thank you all so much uh, for uh, for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, today is an exciting day, of course. It's a very important holiday uh, that we need to be mindful of. And of course, I'm referring to Reformation Day. Right. Yes, I, I, I heard no amens, but I, but I know you acknowledge the uh, importance of that. Of course, it was 504 years ago today that Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the uh, church door at Wittenberg, uh, which is what you did before there was Twitter or social media, and you wanted to let people know uh, when things weren't going well. Of course, tomorrow is All Saints Day, and... Uh, as will be the case tomorrow, 504 years ago, there was an opportunity uh, for there to be a, a mass celebrating All Saints Day the next day. And so Luther went in the night before on All Hallows' Eve uh, and nailed that, which led to um, a break in the church and uh, led uh, directly, in fact, to us sitting here this morning as members of the Baptist Church and being thankful for that. So I, I know you have as well. My whole life I've celebrated Reformation Day. When the kids were little, we sent them out in Puritan costumes uh, to gather candy door-to-door. Uh, -to -door. And uh, I didn't want today to pass without uh, that acknowledgement. I'm excited about where we are in the life of our church my heart was thrilled uh, to hear from the pastor search committee that they have uh, recommended Logan Reynolds uh, to serve as our next pastor. And we as a church will be taking that up next Sunday, uh, which will be a beautiful Lord's Day that, uh, that we look forward to and have anticipated and been praying for uh, for uh, about a year now. Approximately a year ago, as um, Matt Hollingsworth was beginning the process of planning the, the messages for the interim period, I shared with him that I had a couple of messages that uh, I felt led to share with the church much later in the search process uh, and before our new pastor started uh, that would... Um, I think help us as a church to think through what it means to prepare ourselves for a pastor and to identify what to expect from a pastor and then what a pastor should expect from us as a church. And so today and then in two weeks, I will be sharing uh, two messages. I thought I would do one each Sunday. And uh, the one today that I want us to look at is what we should expect from our new pastor. And then uh, a couple of weeks from now, we'll look at what our new pastor should expect uh, from us. So I look forward to that. I am uh, a bit reminded of the uh, famous um, book that really made an impact around the time that we started having children. The book was called What to Expect When You're Expecting. Are you familiar with this important tome? Uh, to, to my generation, it was kind of what Dr. Benjamin Spock's book was to a previous generation. The uh, pediatrician, uh, not the Vulcan, I always uh, feel compelled to, to mention that. And in the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, uh, it provides lots of guidance in how to handle 
those uh, years of pregnancy, and this was something that that I really needed a lot of help with. Karen and I had, uh, we've enjoyed many uh, high points and uh, have walked through many low points in our marriage, and I wanted to mention one of the low points that occurred during the pregnancy of our third uh, child, Paul, whom some of you uh, know and have actually helped raise. Thank you very much uh, for your influence on him. Uh, So about seven months into uh, Karen's pregnancy, she was she was very pregnant at this time, and uh, we were passing one another in the hallway of our home. And as we passed one another, uh, uh, she bumped into me and was apologetic uh, for doing so. And then then I I said something that uh, I think if I could remove one thing ever that I had uttered, that would be the phrase, although she has forgiven me and I think forgotten because I'm the one that tends to bring it up. Uh, but we walked by one another, bumped into, and she said, oh, I'm sorry. And I, I made the statement. I said, um, you seem to be acquiring a gravitational field at this point in the pregnancy. And, um, and, and there were, uh, there was much, uh, uh, apology and even more forgiveness, uh, for which I'm thankful. So books like What to Expect When You're Expecting, uh, proved very helpful and, uh, provided a lot of guidance, uh, to folks as they went through. There is, is nothing exactly like that in the area of new pastors. Uh, fortunately, uh, God's word shares with us quite clearly what we are to expect uh, from our new pastor and what he is to expect from us. I know we read it as the responsive reading earlier, but I would like to ask us to stand as I read Psalm 23. Psalm 23 with us today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we give thanks for your word to us. We give thanks for this picture of you as our perfect shepherd. And we thank you for pastors and how they represent a picture of you on this earth and in our church. We ask for your blessings upon this time of study. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. There is not a more common metaphor throughout Scripture for the role of church leadership than the shepherd, the one who watches over the flock, the one who watches over the people of God, who cares for them, who directs them, and who leads them. And the 23rd Psalm is this image of God as the perfect shepherd 
this uh, psalm that uh, might be the most famous one because of the beauty of the tender care and the compassion of the shepherd for his flock. This image is picked up in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4, where Peter writes, The elders are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, nor for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords of those lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. God commands his pastors to serve as shepherds for his flock. That is, to be the ones that provides uh, nourishment for them, leadership for them, protection for them, and care for them. So what should our pastor then be expected to provide for us? What does that look like when you take this image and this metaphor of a shepherd and the sheep and apply it to today to us as a church and to the role of pastor? Part of the the hint of what that should look like is found in the word pastor itself. It comes from a Latin word meaning to lead to pasture, to enable grazing, to cause to eat. That is the one who cares for a flock and brings them along so that they may grow and care for others. So what then should we expect from our pastor? I think we should expect several things. First, and we see this in verses 1 through 3, we should expect our pastor to engage in sound teaching. We should expect our pastor to engage in sound teaching. In Psalm 23, David, who spent a fair amount of time as a pastor uh, of sheep himself, was very personal in identifying that the role of the pastor is to guide the sheep into an area where they can sustain themselves, where they can feed themselves. This is picked up again by the Apostle Paul, when he was talking to a young pastor, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 3, where he summarizes the role of the pastor as telling Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul breaks down for Timothy exactly what he is to focus on as a minister, and that starts with sound teaching and what he shares with the church and how he teaches God's Word to the fellowship of believers. And so as a church, we need to expect that our pastor will teach sound doctrine 
and will provide guidance for us in our understanding of Scripture as well. I think that now might be one of the most difficult times in human history for churches to disciple people effectively. And I say that because discipleship is being offered from all different directions. We don't often think of it in those terms, but the world offers discipleship. That is, the world seeks to train and to change people and to conform people into the image of the world. What does that look like? I think cable TV provides many opportunities for discipleship. That is teaching you and me what we should be upset about, what we should be happy about, what we should try to acquire for ourselves. Television offers us a picture and it calls us to change and to become people more like those people that are depicted on television that are focused on wants and needs of this world. We don't often think of that as discipleship, but that's a form of discipleship as well. Social media provides a tremendous example of that also. We know that there are videos that are posted, very different uh, uh, streams and, and um, platforms for this, and a lot of them are funny And uh, my kids send me stuff that are just hysterical. And then there are some as well that offer different views of the world than what aligns with God's teaching. There are entire channels on places like Twitter and TikTok that are devoted to arguments for atheism, for example. Why these things that we have been, uh, that have been passed on to us should be set aside in favor for something more contemporary, or something that is better. And so, as a church, we should expect that our pastor teaches in alignment with God's Word, and that what we hear on Sundays in worship, what we hear on Sundays in Bible study, conforms to biblical teaching. Because there's so much teaching out there, And we should expect God's teaching to come from our pastor. Many years ago, I was pastoring my first church, and an example of this happened. This was, uh, this was pre-TikTok. It was a very long time ago, uh, when this occurred. And, uh, and so we were, we were setting up a church not that far from here, outside of Gatesville, wonderful, incredible church, and a small church, and one of the beautiful things about a small church is you know who all the visitors are. Like when people, people don't accidentally show up. Uh, and so on this particular Sunday, uh, uh, Sunday school was going on. We were getting the worship service ready in the sanctuary and a stranger walked in. And, uh, so I went up to greet him. And while I was talking to him, he was sort of looking around, like not at me, but looking around. He said, um, he said, where's the pastor? And I, I said, well, I, I uh, have the honor of serving uh, here as, per, as pastor. And he said, I was driving by your church this morning. And he, and he pulled out some papers. And he said, the Lord gave me a message to preach to your church today. He said this. 
And I didn't know what to say. What, what do you say to that? And so all I could think of to say was, well, you know, God gave me a message to preach to the church today, too. And this, this surprised him and confused him just a moment. And he paused and he said, well, is yours a good one? That's what he said. <laughs> and, and I, I said, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I do know it's, it's what I was called to preach. And he said, oh. And then he turned and walked and left and never came back. And I've, I've wondered about what his message was, like ever since, wondered how that would go. <clears throat> but there has to be an understanding that the pastor provides um, an understanding of God's word for the church here at First Baptist Belton, that that is his responsibility, that is his weight so often when you read uh, the first verse of any of the prophets, like Habakkuk, it says the burden of the Lord came to Habakkuk. It's this image that this message from God is a weight that he must bear. And the same is true for the pastor. Thinking through and figuring out what a sermon series is going to be on that will both be attentive to God's voice and also meaningful to the needs of the church body uh, is weighty. And, and difficult. And that is a high expectation that you should have for anyone who serves as your pastor. We should expect our pastor to preach the Word of God. The idea that God's Word is the provision for His people is expressed here in terms of the shepherd providing provision for the sheep. That is, it was his responsibility to get them to the place where they could eat and where they could be healthy and where they could be sustained. And sometimes that may mean moving them from one place to another. And certainly as we grow in our faith and in the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, we should expect to grow and to change as we become more and more conformed to the image of God. And so our new pastor will be working to get us to move. And we'll be working to get us to a clearer and better understanding of God than what we have right now. In preparation for this series, I've been talking to pastors. Uh, and it's been a wonderful conversation because it has, um, uh, a part of it has been set up by if you, uh, had the opportunity to share with the church that was going to be bringing in a pastor, what would you say to them to prepare them for it? And one of them said to me recently, he said, um, John, I would, I would ask them that as a new pastor comes in and as he begins preaching and teaching, it'll be different from what they're accustomed to. Uh, he said, just give them a year. At least give them a year. Don't make up your decision the very first Sunday, but give them a year. Work with him. Understand, uh, where he's coming from and who he is and, uh, and understanding that he should have time. The second thing we see in this incredible image of the good shepherd and how he serves us. We see in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you are with me, it says. And what an image for our expectation for our pastor is that he is with us during challenging times. Sometimes those challenging times we're going to experience corporately. There will be things as a church that we encounter and engage with that will be difficult difficult decisions that we make as a church body. 
As the days and times shift, there will be difficult moments that we experience as God's people here in Belton, Texas. That will be an important part of who we are. And we need to expect that our pastor will be here walking with us through those. That we don't face those alone. That we don't address them head on. That we don't step aside and try to avoid them. But understanding that our pastor will walk with us through difficult times as a church. This also applies to us individually. We need to expect that our pastor will be with us when we go through difficult times ourselves. There is a ministry of presence that can be so powerful and is beyond anything that words can even share at times. Have you ever heard uh, or perhaps experienced a difficult time and someone will share something with you that they mean to be meaningful, but it, but it's not? And it's because they want to say something that will help, so they say something like, well, God told me that this person is going to be healed, don't worry. And then that healing doesn't happen. Part of the reason why we say, um, without meaning to, sometimes we say things that are not helpful is because there are those times in ministry when we're spending time with one another where words There's no right thing to say. Simply being there, being present is enough. Several years ago, when my grandmother passed away, we had some folks that uh, from work uh, that attended. And I can't tell you anything that they said uh, to me or to my dad who had lost his mom, uh, but I can tell you every person who was there. They were practicing this ministry of presence. And so it is important to note in Psalm 23, verse 4, that the promise is not that valleys will be avoided or that the shadow of death will never hover over us as believers or us as a church. But what the 23rd Psalm assures us is that the shepherd is with us and will walk through those shadows alongside of us, even in the darkest of days. Zechariah chapter 11, which we won't turn to, tells this very dark story of Judah is about to be destroyed, and God says, I will send shepherds to my doomed people, he says. Even those who were facing destruction from the Babylonians, God was sending shepherds to be with them as they walked through this day of judgment. This is an important reminder that as we walk through the valley of shadow of death, this passageway, this trip we take will not be conflict-free. It will not be uh, without encountering the shadow of death in various ways. But what it does promise is we need to expect that our pastor will be with us, both corporately and individually as we encounter challenging times. The third thing we see in the 23rd Psalm is that we need to expect our pastor to be a man of peace. We see this language about you prepare a table before me even in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, that is, you set me apart. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. It's this promise of shalom, this promise of peace that is with God's people, with him 
more so, I think, than any other profession, the pastor, uh, we expect the pastor to have uh, tremendous flexibility. He needs to be a counselor. He needs to be a good speaker. He needs to be someone who reads text well. Uh, he needs to be someone who uh, is good in one-on-one conversations. He needs to be someone who's good with finances. He needs to be someone who's good uh, with handling conflict. He needs to be all of these different things. He needs to represent us well in the community. All of these expectations that we have, and I think one of the most important is that he be a man of peace. That is not a hothead, not someone who blows up. Someone that we can expect to provide peace. Now, this doesn't mean that the pastor is not allowed to get mad or get fearful or get upset because the pastor, I'm going to have to break this to you, he's human. And it's worse than that. He's a sinful human leading us other sinners as well. But I think characterized as a man of peace. Now, again, that doesn't mean there will never be conflict. There will, there will never be direct conversations. Any reading of Jesus's ministry or Paul's ministry or David's ministry, you will read about direct encounters that they had with many others. But overall, their lives characterized as ones of peace handling conflict without hating the other person that you're engaging with, but seeing them as image bearers of Christ is critical, frankly, not just for our pastor, but for ourselves. Because it seems like we live in a day where it's really easy to hate other people. And the, the biblical understanding of who people are is that God loves every person you encounter so much that he sent his son to die for them. And so even as we disagree with them, even as we get angry with them, I think moving from anger to hate is something we can never allow ourselves because that's the point at which uh, the Spirit doesn't lead us uh, to hate others. Fourth expectation we should have for our pastor. We should expect that our new pastor will be different from Brother Andy. This is the most shocking one of all, right? We should expect that our new pastor will be different from Brother Andy. And when a pastor is as beloved and has served as long at one church as Brother Andy has, this can be probably the most challenging expectation that we set. For a variety of reasons. One is we have gotten accustomed to how the church is without even knowing it. That is, we have expectations for how worship is going to go, how church is going to be run, that are set in our minds that we haven't even expressed, really. Let me give you an example. The very first sermon I ever preached was at a nursing home many, many years ago. It was the, I I was uh, incredibly nervous, uh, was uh, excited and terrified at the same time. It was at this nursing home and there were about seven elderly folks uh, who were there that came for that 
uh, service. Uh, we had singing uh, for a group of college students, and I went, and um, there was singing, and there was a, uh, a music stand right in front of the uh, place where folks were sitting, and then back in the corner, off to the side, on a little platform, smashed up against the wall, was this big podium, but it was far away from the people. The lighting wasn't working, so it was sort of dark over there. And so when I got there and I looked at it, um, I thought, well, I'll, I'll just deliver the message from the music stand, uh, which was was right there, kind of in front of people. I could see them better. I could talk to them more directly and all that. And so the singing finished, and I went up and began uh, preaching, and I had... I think I wasn't even finished reading the scripture, and I heard this voice cry out. And I, I'm Southern Baptist. I'm not used to that during preaching. And the voice said the following, Preacher, you're supposed to be over there. And I, I wasn't exactly sure what, what she meant, and so I continued, and this, this arm shot up and gestured over to this big podium off in the corner. Why was I supposed to be over there? Because that's where the preacher preaches from. Don't you know? This was an expectation that she had that uh, was not an expectation that was expressed before I got there. And so I, I got my stuff together and scrambled over there during the uh, uh, for the rest of the message. And and began to understand that we have expectations for how church is that are set even if we haven't expressed those. I'll give you another example. There was a pastor many years ago in uh, Virginia, uh, the western part where it starts to get a little mountainous, and he pastored a small church in a small town, and he began this very sweet gesture for every... Um, uh, widow over 65, he would write a happy birthday card, and the night before their birthday, he would put it in their mailbox. So the morning of their birthday, they would go out into their mailbox, and there was a letter, a happy birthday card from their pastor, which is really sweet. And he ministered there for a long time, and so guess what the expectation became? I hear that laughter. You know where this is going. He retires after a long and successful ministry. Great excitement about the new pastor. New pastor comes in. Guess what no one tells him about? The greeting card. So first, yeah, he's there on a Sunday, voted in, in his office on Monday, begins working on a sermon for the next week. And that morning, a dear saint went out to her mailbox, looked. Guess what wasn't there? There was no birthday card. And so the conversation at the hairdressers that morning was, I guess our new pastor doesn't love senior adults. Whereas the poor guy was sitting in his office preparing for the sermon with no idea what was going on. There are expectations that we have that we need to recognize are going to change. That is, a new pastor is not going to be the same as Brother Andy. And this is hard when you've had a really good pastor, like we've been blessed with. I loved meeting with the pastor search committee. We had a retreat at the very beginning. And as an icebreaker, I asked each of them to share the moment at which 
they felt God was calling them to come to First Baptist Belton. And in almost every case, each of them mentioned Brother Andy in some way, either a lunch they had or a home visit or a conversation that God used that moment to bring them to this church. And so it's tough. It's tough when there is a change. We need to expect as a church that things are going to change with a new pastor. And I think we're all okay with this idea of change as long as it's changing other people's stuff. Right? I served on a search committee many years ago. We called a new pastor, very excited, young, dynamic, great ideas, wanted to change lots of things. That was fantastic. And then he wanted to change something that I liked the way it was. And that's when that dawned on me is I was all for change as long as it was changing other people's stuff. But when it was changing my stuff, I grew concerned. We must expect that the new pastor is going to change some things because if we didn't need to change, Brother Andy would still be here, right? God has called us to change so we can continue to love those around us. The last thing we need to expect of our new pastor is that he should love and serve First Baptist Belton. He should love and serve First Baptist Belton. In Ezekiel chapter 34, God shares that he had sent shepherds to his people who didn't listen to him, who in fact abused the flock, in fact didn't lead them beside the still waters, Uh, but work to destroy them. And God ends in verse 11 of Ezekiel chapter 34 by saying, I will be their shepherd. I will take care of them directly. We must expect that our pastor loves and follows the Lord faithfully and that God has called him here to love us as a congregation and us as individuals. This is such an exciting time as God is taking our needs and taking the giftedness of the man he has called here to match with us and to lead us where we are to go to serve and to love this community that we are in. The most beautiful thing I have ever seen in ministry is when you have a loving pastor and a loving congregation who who are walking in lockstep together as they love the Lord and pursue His calling and His mission uh, for reaching the world for Christ. And I can't wait for us to have a new pastor as a church here at First Baptist Belton. Would you join me as we close in prayer? Father, I give you thanks for this day. We thank you for this time in the life of our church. We thank you for not only the past at First Baptist Belton, we are even more excited about the future and what you are calling us to. We do pray that you would lead us through the darkest of valleys. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You know, much of this message this morning has been focused on us as a church Understanding that God desires to take us from where we are to where he wants us to be. We need to understand as well that that message is so powerful for us as individuals. God loves you exactly as you are. 
And God loves you so much, He doesn't want you to stay the way that you are. And He is calling for you to come to Him today. If you want to know more about what that means, to follow Christ and to become more like Jesus in all that you do, now is the time for you to do that. I ask that you stand as we sing. Brother Matt is here at the front. Do come. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.